What a great way to wake up. With a cup of logic, reason, and common sense. Welcome to the Independence Morning View. Let's get to it. Good morning to you wherever you are in the world. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm joined this morning by Bruce Adams and GP. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, GP. How are we this morning? Fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing great, GP. You want to talk about drones? No, I don't want to talk about drones, although I need to get a drone. And if anybody has a suggestion for a drone that weighs under nine ounces uh, that has a 1080p camera, I would be I would be happy. Okay, so you can drop us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. Attention, GP, any listener out there who has any information on drones on a good suggestion for him. So we can get some suggestions coming in from all over the world. So that'd be great. So you don't want to talk about drones, GP? I'm good. I'm good. You're good. Okay. There's someone at your door, by the way. Where should we start this morning? Uh, Let's start with uh, Bruce. You want to talk about cyborgs? Cyborgs? I mean, yes, that's the cyborgs. future, right? Yeah. There's a, there's a Kaspersky study that uh, finds that there is support for human augmentation. They say that they took a poll. They say that nearly two thirds of people in leading Western European countries would consider augmenting the human body with technology to improve their lives, mostly to improve to improve health. According to the research that commissioned by uh, commissioned by Kaspersky, this is kind of something that Musk is talking about with his Neuralink, right? in the area of health. So if someone can improve their health, then why not take it, right? Why not? If if there's something out there, if there's a product out there that will allow you to improve your motor skills, that will improve the neurological system, and we can take the steps to cure these types of things, then we need to pursue it or no. Well, the, the, the thing about human augmentation is it's not limited to just Neuralink. That's a that's a very small percentage of what could be done. Um, so, <laughs> technically, uh, assuming technology keeps up and never, you know, we can technically you could replace any part of the body except for like the brain and some vital organs, maybe unless you can come up with some kind of cybernetic uh, alternative. Uh, so, technically, you could replace limbs, bones, muscles, um, organs, all kinds of stuff. So saying augmentation, that's that's really a lot of options. Uh, It's pretty vast. Yeah, but they're comparing it to this thing with um, with uh, Musk, actually, as I as I look down through this augmentation, enthusiasts are already testing the limits of what's possible. But we need we need commonly agreed standards to ensure augmentation reaches its full potential while minimizing the risks is what they're saying. I, I can agree with that, uh, minimizing the risks. Um, and the other thing is, is we need to be researching or, or playing out, uh, you know, tabletopping, if you will, uh, different scenarios of what's going to happen to society. What's going to happen when we start augmenting and, um, you know, you can improve your cognitive function or your motor skills or whatever. How is that going to change the job market? How is that going to change the economy? You're, you're going to create a whole new class system of people that aren't augmented uh, trying to get a job and businesses will look at it depending on, you know, unless they're like technophobes or something, they will be looking for the people that have uh, the augments. You know, I've looked at that and I, I thought to myself, OK, for example, what what if you what if you didn't want it? If you if you just said, OK, I, I don't want any of this technology. And then you turned around and you were I don't want to say segregated, 
but the system would force it that way, wouldn't it? Society will self-segregate. Yeah. So yeah, it, the, yeah, that, that's exactly what's going to happen. People. This is how they want people. They want people split up. But those that do take it, are you really going to have that advantage? And when I say that advantage, I mean, you're losing your humanity. You're, you're losing who you are. You're improving yourself by what standards? Now, if it's a medical reason, OK, I, I get it. And, and when I say medical reason, I'm talking about people with neurological disorders, people with uh, multiple sclerosis, people with yes. uh, cerebral palsy, th these types of things, these neurological disorders. This can really be a life changing procedure for those people. And if it's possible, then we need to we need to explore it. It needs to be done. Same thing with I mean, think about it. Curing blindness. Are, are you kidding me? Like this is this seems like a no brainer, but there's a trade off. There's a trade off. So. Where do we draw the line? Do, do we sit down and we have that that debate like they're they're kind of referencing here where they say that, you know, augmentation enthusiasts are ready to start the testing. But but we need a commonly agreed standard to ensure that the augmentation reaches its potential while minimizing the risks. So we, we need to keep it in check because with technology up to this point, we haven't kept any of it in check. And you see what it's done. I'm talking about social media. Yeah, I. but the thing is, I don't know how to properly keep this in check and still allow the free market to function. You know, I mean, if, if you allow the free market to go down this road, we're going to we're going we're gonna to have the segregation. We're going to have the businesses are going to try to basically hire the most capable. Right. Assuming we stay on that road, assuming we we, we, we keep with the judging people by their content or their character, by their ability when you're hiring someone versus your color, race, whatever, you know. So I, I honestly don't know what will happen in the long term. On the surface, it looks like there would be some kind of segregation. There would be some kind of, um, shall we say, ghettos for those that aren't augmented. And they'll be basically put off in society. You know, the idea of, for example, um, having a, uh, a city, right? We, we've talked about having cities that are uh, heavily regulated or you know, based on your social credit and so on and so forth, you could easily have a similar thing with cybernetics. You know, you can't be there unless you're cy cybernetically augmented because, you know, maybe maybe the cybernetic that we have uh, decreases the risk of getting a disease or 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 it helps, you know, boost the immune system or something or just the fact that it's more secure because we're able to track you or uh, they have a, like a kill switch that's able to disable your, your cybernetics so you can't resist police or something something on those lines. Maybe, maybe a society breaks out like that. <laughs> and in which case, if you're not augmented, you're not welcome. So it, it definitely opens the door for more, more segregation and whatnot. But as far as how to regulate it and how to keep that from happening, I don't know where to go with that one. Uh, honestly, here's an interesting thing. Speaking of Elon Musk, because he's one of the guys behind all this stuff, right? He, he's behind this movement for creating all these different things. He did a whole bunch of tunnels underneath Los Angeles, didn't he, GP? Never or is mind. he just he's proposing it? I was, nope. I was on mute there. Go ahead. He, he did the tunnels under L.A., right? Well, we've had tunnels under L.A. for a long time. Okay. Well, for for what purpose is this? Is this for the self driving cars? Is it just for his cars to go into these tunnels? Is that what the the whole thing was about? Um, no idea on that one. I, I really don't have the information. I just know the tunnels have been there since I was a child, and okay. that's before Elon Musk was born. Okay. So what what 
what were the you don't know what the purpose of the tunnels all this time oh, the sub, they were subway they were they were supposed to be for subways under or underground trains or whatever mm-hmm. but because of the earthquakes and um other political influences we never got <laughs> was it was it like la or las vegas what's that los angeles no no i'm saying i'm, I'm asking johnny if this is LA oh no this is las no vegas. he's now he no 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 i was asking about because he, he did the tunnels underneath la and, okay. and so he put some new ones in and he actually made them uh earthquake proof he, he that's I, I saw him do a thing like on japan it with, does uh, with, and with every Jay other Leno. country that has earthquakes yeah he's now done this uh he's tunneled under las vegas and apparently he's just about oh, finished. Sorry, with it. Did not know. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. I, he's done LA, but now he's done Vegas. Mm-hmm. And now he's he's made it to where um he has got this uh this company called the Boring Company and he says that uh the tunnels under the cities with self-driving electric cars will feel like <laughs> warp drive. Uh, he's <laughs> this guy's crazy. He says the uh, the tunnels are the final piece, along with electric vehicles and self-driving, to complete Musk's green driverless urban transportation dream. Why under the cities? Why, why underneath? Why, why not just do the self-driving thing on top? Because you're running with um, the, the current on the surface right now, you're running into uh, infrastructure problems, traffic jams, you know, that, that sort of thing. So by doing them underground and only allowing these self-driving electric cars underground, um, you're able to better regulate the flow of traffic and keep things moving much more smoothly because the cars will know uh, where each each other want to get off, where they're headed. So they'll be able to um, align themselves in, in proper formations to allow them to, you know, uh, off ramp or whatever efficiently. And it, it creates a, a good flow of traffic. You're not going to have some, um, I'll be nice, jerk. That's on the uh, far left lane wanting to get off on an exit on the right side and cuts across six lanes of traffic to get off on the, you know, to get onto the on ramp or off ramp. So that in turn causes uh, one person to hit the brakes because they're trying not to hit the guy. The guy behind them hits the brakes and it creates this chain. And just that one person now created a traffic jam because of one maneuver. So by um, optimizing it with self-driving cars under underground, you don't have that problem. So do we have to build an entire infrastructure now underground for self-driving cars? Is that where it's going? Because the whole point of self-driving cars was to to have them. Uh, for example, OK, I, I took delivery on a new car a few months ago. You guys remember me telling you about it, right? This yes. thing has so many things on it. Like G- GP, does does your does any do any of your new cars have like all this lane control and um <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So lane, that thing uh, today, proximity sensors. Yes, proximity sensors. sensors rear, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Cruise control, the distance, and all that stuff. Yeah, auto yeah. pass if and all that. Go off the yes. lane. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. So today, that thing almost caused you could disable an those, by the way. Yeah, I understand. I understand. <laughs> they drive you crazy. This thing, I, it's like I feel like I feel I hate these things because I feel like I'm fighting the car. It's not like driving is not an enjoyable experience with this. I like driving. I like driving. I'm a big kid. I can make my own decisions. I can pay attention on the road and, and, I, and I'm a safe driver. But I feel like when I sit in this car, it, it's got too much of this crap in it because it's it's a step. It's a step of, look, we, we took the training wheels off. Oh, and we're going to put them back on now because you can't do it. I hate that. I hate that. It's it's me fighting the car and I don't like it. it example, when I tried to change lanes the car jerked me back over into the lane and I about hit somebody. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is I don't, 
I don't like the fact that we as the people are being taken out of the equation. We're not even being consulted. It's I understand the reasoning behind it. It's going to cause less accidents. It's going to be more safe and all that stuff. I get it. But it's the same thing with automation right across the board. It's going to reduce work, work related accidents. It's going to stop the workers comp claims and all that stuff. You can't get hurt if you're not working. You know, and, and I get it. Auto accidents. Terrible thing. I understand. And you do want to bring those numbers down. But it's up to the people to be responsible. I mean, that, that's that's just how I'm looking at it. I, I don't like the fact that that we're being taken out of the equation. We're not even being asked, though. The underground tunnel, though, uh, that is specifically only for self-driving cars. So the the experience that you're you're talking about wouldn't happen in the tunnel because, you know, it, it's a self-driving car. That that's all that's allowed there. And they'll all be interlinked with each other. You'll be able to create a a network, a wireless network for all those cars to connect to underground that only those cars can connect to because it's underground. You know, the, the signal's blocked by the tunnel. So in in a sense, that would that would help with the any kind of um uh, logistics uh, with radio waves and that that sort of thing. But then it would still allow people above ground to drive, at, as you're saying, you know, drive your own car. If you want to drive your your favorite car or whatever and not have a self-driving car, you know, that would that would be a, a viable solution to that is move the self-driving cars underground, allow them to function there. It's an electric car. You don't have to worry about emissions. And then leave the other cars above ground if you want to drive your own car. So it, it does, it would alleviate some of the traffic above ground as well. You're killing me, Bruce. I'm trying to bash self-driving cars here and I just want them gone. Like, I, I don't want them anywhere. I, I don't want to see it. Well, I want, I do want, I don't want to see, well, what the, the key is, is because they can't afford to put a subway system in or a system, you know, a good public transportation system, unless the people pay for it in this country. And I think that's exactly what they're doing is they're getting the people to literally pay for the subway system. That's awesome. Yeah. Because and now and yeah. then there's going to be people doing carpooling, car sharing, yeah, exactly. all this kind of stuff going to create another Uber. economy. And it's going to be a huge benefit because people are like, oh, I got a self-driving car. You know, uh, hey, if I'm going, if you're going to here to here, come on in, let's go. It's a whole nother economy going on. It's going to be awesome. I think it's we're, great because we're we, not, our GP. infrastructure sucks. It does suck, but yeah. you can't do it, GP. You, you can't do it. You know why you can't do it? Because of COVID-19. Oh, right. So, yeah, your, well, your, econ- you, your whole new economy, your whole new infrastructure is just, we, we can't do it because of COVID-19. Well, you, you have each car have like their own little capsule for each passenger seat, you know, yes. so they're in their own little contained. No, no, um, they get their own tissue to put on their face. It's a tissue screen between each other. <laughs> and we know that a tissue is highly effective versus COVID-19 transmission. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, well, speaking and of electric just cars. just take on the tissue. And just go, and then between each person, you just put up the new tissue. There's an economy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. T- tissue manufacturing jobs, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Here's here's some good news. Brought for you, to you by Kleenex. Yeah. And if you're next time you sneeze, think Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> not that we advertise around here or anything. Not not that we do. That. This Thanks, is good bro. news for you, GP. We were talking about uh, we were talking about electric vehicles because the self-driving cars okay. are, are electric. Okay. So we, we were talking about these things, which I don't have an electric car, but I don't have a fully self-driving car. But Ford has unveiled an electric F-150. Huh? Sorry, I had a wipe. Give me a second. Uh, were you drooling? Were, were you drooling? Is that is that? No, no, no. That, those are those are mouth tears. Mouth tears. <laughs> mouth tears. Okay. Of joy. So they're mouth saying tears the, of joy. Yeah, they're saying that the business is roaring back. They're going to build an entire factory around an electric F one hundred and fifty. So mm-hmm. um, they're breaking ground on it. 
Uh, the event coincides with the start of production at the automaker's historic Rouge Complex okay. uh, of the redesigned 2021 F-150, which begin mm-hmm. deliveries this fall. So they're proud. This is a quote from them. They say, we are proud once again to build and innovate for the future here at Rouge with the debut of our all new F-150 and the construction of a modern new manufacturing center to build the first ever all electric F-150. This year's COVID-19 crisis made it clear why it is so important for companies like Ford to keep up our U.S. manufacturing base strong and help keep our country and help put our country back to work. Okay, I I agree with that part. All electric trucks. Now, I, I know that I made a reference once before about there's another company out there that's making an, an all electric truck. I can't remember who it was. It was a it was a competitor to Tesla, but I, I can't uh-huh. remember what the name of it was. But Edison. you seem to Ed, Edison. Is that what it was? Yeah, literally. The, one of the competitors. Is that what it was? Modern day Tesla is Edison. Yeah. I don't I don't know. If tell me that's tell me that's not a historic battle right there. Right. That's funny. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. But you actually, when I when I brought this up to you, the the idea of an all electric truck, a pickup truck, just one in general, you seem to be pretty taken back by that idea. You were pretty excited about that. Yes, absolutely, because I could charge it so through solar power. I'm not using fossil fuels, and through regenerative properties on some of the batteries that we're dealing with, they would last an extraordinarily long time by putting less toxins into our environment. But but yeah, I, I don't think I, I'm pretty excited about it. I like it. I, I don't think that's what you were referencing, though. You were referencing the amount of torque you would get out of it more than oh, anything else. Yeah. Well, yeah, I love the torque and the power. And yeah, I love all that stuff. Yes. I think that's amazing. It's, it's all torque. It's amazing. Just just pure power from zero to, oh, my God, I'm stuck to the back of my seat in nanoseconds. It's amazing. Yeah, and then your battery's dead. And you're you're on the side of the road. It's the future of driving. No, no, I got solar power. I got solar power. I'm cool. Okay. Now, how fast long? Fast charging how, stations. Now, fast. fast okay, char- think about this. We got fast charging stations. A good vast majority of the Western United States is desert. So we could do these solar farms, run our power, solar farms, or we could get thorium or get, exactly, I was going to say thorium reactors. Thorium, not, I'm not going to go all out here. Thorium reactors and, yeah, be able to power our vehicles. I think that would be, it'd be amazing. It'd be a huge change. The difficulty still, is the cost. I'm still hopeful for hydrogen someday. I'm still hopeful. I got my fingers crossed. Got my fingers crossed. Okay. I, I like the hydrogen fuel cell scenario, but yeah. it takes a lot of platinum. It requires an extraordinary it, amount of it platinum. Does. And the byproduct is uh, is ionized water. And that, in a very short period of time, mixing with calcium carbonates or some of the other shoot gypsum, um, neutralizes it. So, I mean, basically, basically makes drinking water. So, yeah, that would be another aspect if we could do both both scenarios on the road i think it's a win-win because as long as we're making water and we're reducing our use of petroleum and petroleum products we're winning we're winning our our war on a global toxification say climate change so, so, just say just say man-made climate change <laughs> <laughs> so i'm not gonna say it okay so we've talked about it before you can take a uranium uh, reactor the the waste that comes from that you can actually reuse that you you can quote unquote treat it uh the the nuclear waste and reuse it in a reactor again and basically until you get it down to the point to where it's um the the nuclear material is essentially no longer dangerous it's it's the equivalent of ore which is you can hold Nuclear ore and uranium ore in your hand. Uranium shells. I won't talk about that. And well, yeah, right. But that 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 was that was the the (laughs) dust and everything that came off of it. But uh, with that said, we were talking about uh, you needed the the platinum, right? Yes. So let's go the nuclear route. Solar. 
do use both of those for now. Yes. Uh, get our space travel when? up better. Grab an asteroid that has a bunch of platinum. Yes. There you go. And then we can go up to move on to. But then the we got those. Then we have a problem with space cockroaches. And okay. All right. All right. All right. You're going to have space cockroaches anyway. Yeah, yeah it's going to happen anyway. Okay, but it's going to happen. The, let's look at the mining of the moon thing. We've been talking about that the last few days. It's hydrogen. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's helium true. three. That's helium three. Or helium three. Sorry, sorry, helium. Okay, so we take the helium three. We develop our fusion technology. We we get that right. We we get on the path to yeah. that. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I'm good with this. So we we just laid out three different. We just options. have an we just have an entire. The, the problem that we're going to be having is that there's an entire portion of our planet that relies on fossil fuels to support their people. Understand that the Middle East remove that remove the petroleum part of their economy. Remove it. What do they have? What do hungry people do across the uh, globe? What do they do? Uh, they go to war. Uh, unthinkable things. Yep. Unthinkable, literally unthinkable things. Exactly. Unthinkable things. And if if we were the cause by, say, we have made petroleum, we decided we're not buying petroleum anymore. We're done. Although China would be happy to step up and take that gold. We, that, oh, that they, they would that. take all of it. Yeah. We, we've uh, already said that, though. But if we could get multiple, you know, a good portion of the planet, if we could start moving that way and then eventually do some sanctions or something against petroleum using blah, blah, blah. But still the Middle East would suffer and other parts and in a portion of Africa and well, see, that's South just America. It. You have to you have to transition. That That's just it. Is it like, yeah, but I, what are they going to transition to? What are they going to transition to? Well, I mean, if you, you if could, you take areas. If, go ahead, Bruce. Uh, I was going to suggest agrarian society. Some that would very be great. Simple, Pretty hard to very, grow stuff in 120 degree temperatures. It, it's actually not because we've seen it with um, Israel and some other nations over there. I know Israel is the bomb. They're you, bomb. You I love some, their agriculture. Yeah, I, I was you, over there checking it out. It's amazing. Yeah. They have they have a, a drip system for yes. irrigation. Uses far less water and irrigates plants and and what. So you can you can you know green up the area. It's just it's going to take a little bit of infrastructure and work. So theoretically, it's plausible. Um, but you're, you're getting onto the level of you're, you're essentially ter- terraforming at that point. Yes. Well, in, look in what sense. they've done in areas of the Middle East, like the United Arab Emirates, for example. Right. Places like Dubai and Abu Dhabi. I mean, you, you see what happens when they actually advance, but they've used their oil sales in order to do that. So I get it. But that puts them I, I, and to that point that puts them in a position where they've built their society up like they've built their their system up so much uh-huh. to where now they're in a position to make that transition same thing with Saudi right. under under but what's happening in power. Saudi right exactly but here here's the thing though and uh, Marty's made this point several times here because he, you know, he spent some time over there uh, doing doing some work, and he said the fact that this is almost to our way here in, in the West. It's completely different because we we look at corruption differently because we have a different culture of people. We have a different group of uh, rulers, shall we say? But in the Middle East, in the United Arab Emirates, they have so much money. The, the royals over there that run the place, they have so much money that they are incorruptible. They can't be corrupted because well, what are you going to do? <laughs> Seriously, what are you going to do? Well, define corruption. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. But they have absolute power. They do over life and death. And they get bored and they say, so what do they do? Hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go invade Israel. <laughs> yeah, but they, they, they've just signed a peace deal to not do that. I know. Actually, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, that uh, is, isn't that great? Did, yeah, the UAE. Do you want me to, yeah, that was you want me cool. to rain on oh, your parade? Like okay, go ahead. Do you want me to rain? So in the, um, in the religious book, it teaches that... Yeah. The Quran? 
Yeah, in, in the Quran, it, it teaches you that um, you can use peace treaties as a means to... It's a short-term thing to build up power before you go on an, uh, an attack. That's a conversation for another day. Let's write that one down. Yeah. That's a conversation for another yeah. day, because that's going to be interesting. Pickles okay, don't so. taste like cucumbers. <laughs> <laughs> Not after you put them in apple cider vinegar for about... Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds good. It does but right now, I agree. That sounds really good. All right, um, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to take this out. So, uh, GP, Bruce, thank you for sitting down this morning. Thank you to all the listeners. For all these topics and more, please check us out later on this afternoon. And I hope everyone has a great morning.